It turns out the real murderer was the family we made along the way. Hi, I'm Nito Kitchen. Tonight's <laughs> meeting of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotica Cooking Association, we look at the murderously fun French film Eight Women. But not all crimes are murder, and tonight's guests are on trial for lesser crimes. First up, it's not blood splatter if you call it fashion, it's Amelia. Hello, <laughs> I am Amelie, the nefarious battler who steals the family's plates and silverware and trades them into pawn shops. <laughs> 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 and I can be found on Instagram at the nefarious navigator. Next up, it's easier to hide a body when you have an actual backyard. It's Mel. <laughs> Hello, this is Mel, and I am currently on trial because I tried to steal back all of the extra letters from those French bastards that keep adding additional vowels to every word, even though they don't bother to pronounce them. <laughs> You can find me on Tumblr, perhaps it may be dragons. And last but not least, it's not illegal if they don't catch you, it's Ro. Uh, hello! <laughs> hello, everybody. I'm Ro, and my only crime is being too beautiful. <laughs> is it my fault that the men I've loved have driven themselves to destitution and despair? <laughs> Thanks, Snagglepuss. And you can find me on Facebook at Susqueen. <laughs> In addition, you've all been charged for stealing my heart. <laughs> I thought that would get a laugh. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to put anyone on trial here, but I have been told that your trial judge is a huge movie buff. So why don't we learn some trivia on, about tonight's movie and everyone and everything connected to it so we can suck up to them in our first game, Trivia... But in a French accent. I feel compelled once again to apologize to everybody. No. Seven questions, three choices. And, and, but I'm only looking for one of them. <coughs> Sorry, there was a frog in my throat. Uh, we can finish this later, Jacques. Um, everybody ready? Already. All right, let's go with question one. Catherine Deneuve found acclaim in films like Belle du Jour. What she received less acclaim for recently was being one of the 100 French women who signed what? Is it number one, a letter in support of J.K. Rongling and her transphobic comments? Number two, a letter in support of Trump claiming he had won the 2020 election? Or number three, a letter against the Me Too movement? Yes, Amelia? Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm kind of stuck between one and three, but I think I'm going to go with Me Too movement. You went with the correct one. Uh, she later apologized directly to those who were victims of sexual assault, but stood by the signing of the letter. Uh, she used to be my second favorite actress, and well, now she's not. Uh, <laughs> at least I, I'll always have Shelley Duvall. <laughs> uh, we love Shelley Duvall on this podcast. <laughs> Queen. Shelley Duvall is literally like my favorite actress, and if Bedtime Stories... Uh, was even a little bit queer, this podcast would just be covering that show. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. Director Francois Ozan is a critically acclaimed director in his own right and seems like a really cool dude. Which of these films by him did not win an award at an LGBTQIA plus festival? One, Criminal Lovers, a movie about a couple that murders their friend, and then the male of the two is forced to have sex with a hermit to stay quiet. This film won the grand jury at L.A. Outfest. 
Two, Water Drops on Burning Rocks is a movie about a 50-year-old businessman getting into a relationship with a 20-year-old and their life as it evolves until their deaths. This film won Best Feature at the New York Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. Or is it three? Eight Women won Azan, one of his only three awards for this film at the Austin Gay and Lesbian International Film Festival. Ro. I'm guessing a second film about the uh, spring-December romance? Um, you're incorrect. Oh, nuts. Amelia. I'm going to go with Eight Women because that's the one we watched and it seems to be his most critically acclaimed one given the cast that's in it. It is critically acclaimed, but (laughs) the question was which one didn't. Oh, which one didn't? God damn it. Luckily, you're (laughs) correct anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Eight Women won two awards for Azan, neither from a queer film festival. Uh, They were the Lumiere's Award and the Berlin International Film Festival. Yay! Uh, (laughs) Accidentally right. Yay for accidental wins. (laughs) Question three. Eight Women has been compared to the movie Clue, which was originally titled Murder! Uh, And then Cluedo, which is less fun to say uh, when you're exclaiming things. Uh, who wrote the original draft for Clue? Is it, one, John Landis, known for Ghostbusters and the Blues Brothers, two, John Hughes, known for Pretty in Pink and Six and Candles, or three, John Woo, known for Face Off and A Better Tomorrow? Ro. I, I'm going to guess uh, number one. That was John Landis, right? You're correct. I, you see, I, I thought that the vibes were similar. I thought the vibes were really similar. It made the most sense to me. John Landis handed over the script to Jonathan Lynn, who would direct it after Landis couldn't figure out how to end the dang thing. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I guess neither could anybody else who was working on the movie because they gave the damn thing three different endings, right? Yeah, but that was by choice, though. Like, that was going to (laughs) be... That was going to be the gimmick for the movie, is that each theater had a different ending. Um, but it kind of blew back in their face. Um, that was our obligatory straight question of the night. You can skip DMing me this week that the show is racist against straight people, Darren. Question four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, random side note, but I do actually have that in my notes, that this movie reminds me of Clue, but with more muted colors on the, like, suspects. (laughs) I thought you were going to comment on Darren. Um. Oh, no, 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 just on Clue. (laughs) Question four. Actress Elizabeth... Hu- uh, sorry, Amelia, can you say this one? Isabelle Huppert. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, who played Augustine is an insanely talented and acclaimed actress. She has an entire Wikipedia article dedicated solely to her awards. Like a father living vicariously through the achievements of his offspring. Which of these hasn't she won, though? Uh, is it one, the Lumiere Awards celebrate the best in French-speaking cinema... Isabelle has received 12 nominations and no wins. Is it number two? The European Film Award trophy looks like a dildo, which might explain why she's been screwed out of a win despite getting eight nominations. Or is it three? The Molière Award celebrates excellence in French theater, and despite having seven nominations, which is hard because they're different, you know, it's a different media for film and different types of acting, she hasn't won once. Yes, Amelia? Uh, I'm going to go with the Molière Award. That's correct. Yay! She has not won a Moliere. That is a shame. La shame, I say. But um, she has won a Stanislavski. <laughs> Quiet, you. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm so mean to you. Um, it's okay, I make it very easy. <laughs> Question five. Uh, Marina Del Van co-wrote this film and a handful of others. She got really into horror and thriller after this film for some reason. I don't know why. Um, which of these isn't a film she wrote because I've made it up? 
is at number one. In My Skin was her directing debut about the mental decay of a girl who self-mutilates after she injures her leg in an accident. Could it be number two? Hollow Child follows a mother who loses her son in childbirth and then makes a hollow wooden doll of her child. She becomes increasingly more protective over it as her friends and family try to help. Or is it number three? Dark Touch is a supernatural horror thriller that follows the sole survivor of a bloody massacre that took the lives of her family, which may or may not be due to the cursed house that drove them to that point. Ooh. Ro? I'll go with number one. Uh, no, that is real. Oh, dang. Which means that the choices that are left are about a cursed doll or a cursed house. Yes, Mel? I'm I'm gonna go with Dark Touch. Aha! I am the fool that has you you all. Hollow <laughs> <laughs> Child is another movie I made up. If you would like to use it, go ahead. I'm busy working on a queer apocalypse script right now. Uh, I was gonna <laughs> say, out of the three of those choices, Hollow Child is the one that I most wanted to be real. All right, let's collaborate, Ro. Let's write Hollow Child. <laughs> you have oh, my permission. All right, all right. Go for it. At me. At me later. We'll, let's do it. <laughs> Question six. Eight Women was based off a play by the same name by Robert Thomas, but it was his other play called Man Trap that caught someone's attention. Tell me who that person was. Was it number one? Alfred Hitchcock planned on making an adaptation called Trap for a Solitary Man, but for one reason or another, it never got made. Is number two, Fenton Bailey, one of the two directors of Party Monster, wanted to do an adaptation, but Thomas's estate thought the script was, quote, too gay. Or was it number three, Steven Spielberg holds, holds the sole rights to the play and has commissioned a grand total of 15 scripts, but he hasn't been satisfied with any of them. Yes, Amelia? Is it the Party Monster one? It is not. Ah. Ro? Um... Just because it sounds like the funniest answer, I'm going to go with Steven Spielberg commissioning 15 different scripts and rejecting them all. (laughs) Fortunately, this time it was the boring one. Alfred Hitchcock uh, (laughs) might have been a little myth that after he got the rights, eight women had a second run that outshined Man Trap. Did I always end this game with negative points? I don't understand it. (laughs) Not always. Quite a few times. You you've won like this time. I mean, you've won. (laughs) You've won the second most games out of everyone. Well, that's because I've been in every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Semantics. Um, question seven. (laughs) This film got a lot of nominations, and I mean a a freaking crap ton. Uh, Which actress got the most nominations? from these three, and I'm not counting nominations for the whole cast, just individual nominations. Is it number one, Catherine Deneuve, who played the wife Gabby? Number two, Amelia, please. Uh, Isabelle Huppert. Thank you. At least we can get that one right. Um, who played Gabby's jealous sister, Augustine. Or three, Fanny Ardant, who played the sinful, sultry sister-in-law, Pierre, Pierre, Pierre uh, hey, hey, Mel, how do, you, how do you say the feminine of Pierre? Pirate. Pirate. Yeah, that one. So those were your three options. Who are you going to choose? Amelia. Was it Catherine Deneuve? It was not. Ro? Was it Isabelle Huppel? That's correct. Damn it. That was going to be my she guess was at really, first. She was, she was really good in this She movie. was amazing. She did a, Phenomenal. Exceptional job. While Catherine Deneuve... Just... Well, Catherine Deneuve actually received no nominations for this film other than cast awards that I was able to find. Uh, Isabel uh, won five nominations and three wins, making her the winner of this question. 
Um, and the person most likely to be recruited to the Judge Trivia Night team is Amelia. Yay! I win! I'm so shocked. <laughs> joke that everyone is missing is I found out just before this that Amelia is a big Isabella fan. <laughs> so uh, I, I did not plan the, 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 the questions around that, but it just kind of happened. Anyway, Amelia, you won, and you have a special prize waiting for you. This week your prize starts off with you deciding if I read the summary in my normal sexy voice. Or my extremely accurate French accent. Oh, God. I'm, I'm going to go with the French. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, hold on. I'm going to put this call on mute for a second. <laughs> so we're looking, to Emmanuel Macron. We're looking, for, uh, we're looking for a new panelist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dear France, please do not sue us. <laughs> eight women follows the murder of a patriarch and the suspicion that is put onto the eight women of the house that they live on. The matriarch, the wife, the sister-in-law, the aunt, the two daughters, the maid, and the cook. After everyone's dirty laundry is put out to dry, it's revealed that it was a ruse to punish the women for their treatment of the patriarch, only for him to end up taking his own life. Also musical numbers. So, so that was the great wow, reboot spoilers. of Tenchi Muyu. Um, uh, what y'all think about it? Or sorry, what'd you think about it, Amelia? <laughs> I, I loved this movie. Uh, I basically thought it was flawless. Um, I think I had literally one issue with this movie, uh, which was that Pierrette was only, like, into women because she was mad at, like, what men did to her, hurt by men or whatever, but, you know, minor, the rest of the movie was wonderful, loved it. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was great. It made my heart happy. It was a musical. It had everything I loved. So, it reminded me of Clue, but with more muted, a more muted palette. Um, it's basically everything I never knew I wanted Clue to be. <laughs> Did you have an, cause like one of my biggest issues, uh, with this film was like, there's no lead up to the musical numbers. They just happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you, did you have a yeah. problem with that or did you just not, <laughs> or was it not a big deal yes for you? And, <laughs> yes and no. I honestly didn't notice that, but also like. When I, like, decide to randomly start singing songs throughout my day sometimes, uh, there's usually no lead-up into it anyways. But now that you mention it, yeah, for movie purposes, there probably should have been lead-up to the music, but I had not noticed that. <laughs> Honestly, I wish the people that watched me sing in my day-to-day -day life were so well-rehearsed that they could dance <laughs> along like that. Wouldn't that be great, actually? <laughs> and, I mean, to be honest... When the first musical number happened, it kind of caught me by surprise. I had to remind myself, oh, yeah, this is a musical. And then <laughs> as it kept going and each character got to sing their song, it all started to feel more organic. You know what I mean? And I guess uh -huh. it really didn't help that um, cinematography-wise, the whole thing is kind of shot like a stage play. Mm -hmm. All the action takes place basically on one set, right? Which is the lower level of this house that they're mm -hmm. all in. And um, 
with the lighting and everything the way it is, I think the musical numbers start to make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like a one-act play, like if, you, if you've mm-hmm. ever done UIL in Texas, you know. It really, <laughs> it really, it really is. is. And actually, I was thinking that while I was watching the movie, too, like... Like, as I was watching it, I was like, wow, this would make a phenomenal play. Like, I kind of just want to, like, you could just adapt this onto the stage super easily. I want middle I had schoolers not known doing that it this. Was a play. Yes. I had not known that it was a play first. And honestly, <laughs> from, watching the music, from watching the movie, I wasn't surprised to find it out at all. Yeah. Because uh, I, yeah. I ended up having similar thoughts, I think. Yeah. That this, is a, this is a story that was meant for a stage. Well... Um, I, I do think, like everybody else, I got very thrown off. Like, I was told before I went into it, this is a musical. And that, that first song threw me off. And I looked it up, and apparently a lot of these songs were not written with the musical in mind. These were, This was basically a jukebox musical. And th- that, to me, is why part of it makes sense. Oh, that's why that song doesn't really make sense there. Mm-hmm. It's there anyway. The songs are, most of the songs are still fun. We'll get into that later yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's it's very well acted oh my Uh, gosh (laughs) but i'm sorry i'm just gonna it would be interesting to see this as a stage play i just want to gush for a minute because there's like uh all of the all of the actresses in this are amazing and like it it feels it it really felt like they were like you know even though they were a quote-unquote ensemble ensemble in french um like it felt like they were like trying to one up each other. Like it was just like 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 it was almost like Face Off in a way, by John Woo, where uh, Nicholas Cage and John Travolta are trying to out overact each other. Except in this case, they're trying to actually out act each other, and they're having fun with it. And like, and let's not forget that Face Off would have been improved by one of their arguments leading to them rolling around making out on the floor. Also, <laughs> Face Off would have been improved by a musical number. Just saying. absolutely, Definitely. absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we know John Travolta can sing. There's no excuse true. not it's to. It's true. I, you know, before I knew he was a Scientologist, uh, back when he's John Travolta, I, that was one of my first celebrity crushes as a kid. Him and Grease, Saturday Night Fever. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, speaking, speaking of the acting, um, overall, did you feel like the chemistry was relatable in this and the motivations kind of, uh, made sense for the characters? I did. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really enjoyed the dynamic between, in particular between Augustine, Gabby and their mom, where Augustine was just like this. I don't know, just, like, their sibling dynamic of, like, you know, Gabby being, like, the more beautiful and, like, sexually confident sister that, like, married this rich man that Augustine is, like, in love with and, like, wants to attain but doesn't feel, you know, she can or whatever because she's, like, all this... She's... She's something. (laughs) She's a... She's a bundle of nerves is what she is. So anxious. (laughs) And then, like, also just... One one thing I really liked, I think, about their chemistry in particular is how they had this whole dynamic where Augustine really, I think, looked up to her mom and wanted to take care of her. And Gabby knew more who her mom actually was with, like, the murder of their dad, you know? And, like, this 
just this dynamic and like chemistry when they like had that moment where like things changed for Augustine and she found this out and you like kind of saw this like other side of the chemistry and like relationship with them where they were like tender with each other. Yeah. I feel like all of the, all of the sibling drama was very relatable, felt very authentic. Yeah. Um, the character that really stood out to me, I believe, yes, um, the, the the maid, I think her name was Catherine. I don't think that was her name. Uh, she, re- she really stood out to me as having a very strong performance and having mm-hmm. very kind of... I think the maid was Louise. Yeah, the, maid, yeah. the maid was Louise. The, the maid was Louise? All right. Yeah, yeah I, the cook was I'm Chanel. just going based on their photos yeah, on IMDb. The <laughs> yeah. Catherine's the I couldn't remember, yeah, like, I'm I'm not very well versed in French, so, like, in some French, of the names all daughters are maids. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, speaking of bad French things, um, I love having people on that know more about things than I do. Um, so I'm actually kind of curious, Mel, since you speak more French uh, than probably all of us, what did you think of the acting since you probably didn't have to, like... Uh... Wow, which... I it, I don't speak French that well. I've taken two semesters, and I'm married to somebody who speaks it fluently and teaches it for a living, so I picked it up. I picked up some bits here and there, by which I mean... I can tell him I love him, and I can curse him out, and that's all that's really important. Uh, so, to me, it certainly seems well acted, you know. Uh, there, there's not that much difference in intonation to me between French and English and the way that they would hit the words when they're being dramatic or when they're being upset. Um, did, did you... I, what, what I'm most curious about, like, is... Because, like, to me, since, like, my eyes are darting back and forth between subtitles a lot of the time, it's hard to tell if something's, like, being overacted or, like, smoothly acted. I think everybody was smoothly acted to a degree, except the aunt is a little over the top, but you can tell that she's... Okay, no, let me take the back. The aunt and the grandmother are completely over the top, but in a way that tells you that they're written to be over the top. They're supposed to be like that. It's the theater trope. It's the theater trope. Yes. They are playing to the back of the audience. Yeah. They can hear them in the nosebleeds. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I would be interested to hear what you thought about, like, the cinematography and the design aesthetic. Because it all struck me as very particularly French. You know what I mean? I know nothing about French aesthetics. And to me, it just looked very—it just looked very 1950s. That's- I think I think the aesthetic I think the aesthetic is definitely very French, like especially if you like. So one of the the biggest I think differences between like American and French makeup, for example, is that French makeup is just all about the eyeliner, really. Like you might accentuate one thing, like you notice their eyeliner is just like really the main focus on like their face and like the the outfits are very simple too and very like kind of classic stylish despite it being the 50s it's still like yeah so anyways i i feel like the aesthetic was definitely very french i can't believe this movie came out in 2002 um yeah i i remember reading that uh the the set design at least and the costuming 
where uh, they tried to recreate sort of like that classical like Hollywood era, uh, mm-hmm. especially like this the set the set dressing for like Hitchcock films, um, mm. and so I want to just I just want to like clarify about that that um, while it is like it's very it's it feels very French very authentic whereas like other films uh, that I've watched recently like Velociraptor feels like it could really take place anywhere. Um, this feels very distinctly like you're in the French countryside, and this is like a La French mansion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I really appreciate that, and I love the colors. Using colors like as a primary like draw for the characters mm-hmm. was is just always something that I love, and like it it was the same thing in like But I'm a Cheerleader as well, where they had a real focus on color, and it really made it stand right. out. Yeah. It's like the main emotional thrust of the movie turns out to be jealousy, right? So you dress the set with a lot of green. Yep. And you dress the characters in a lot of red. (laughs) One thing that I noticed was really interesting on that note. uh, When it comes out that Isabel was was in love with her sister's husband, uh, a little bit past that point, she takes off her brown coat and then it's just mostly her green shirt that you really like see. Right. So like it, yeah, they definitely use color in that same way. Like the greens with the jealousy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything you can tell with this movie that everything from a cinema cinematic uh, standpoint was very planned and very mm-hmm. well thought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that everything had a purpose, you know? Yeah. Uh, does anyone else have any uh, points they'd like to talk about? I mean, we're a gay podcast. We should probably talk about the gay stuff, right? We're a gay <laughs> podcast? <laughs> I always thought that we were more like a food <laughs> podcast or something. All right, so at least three of the characters are attracted to women in one way or another, whether they be bisexual, lesbian, pansexual, etc. So on the first side, we have the sister of the patriarch, uh, Mel. Piolette. Okay, that works too. Um, and then we have Gabby, who is, I'm going to say, more of like a bisexual character because she has had relations with men, and this whole attracted to women thing seems to be pretty new for her. And then you have Chanel, the cook, uh, who is also a lesbian and in a love affair with the sister of the patriarch. The kind of fascinating thing about all of this, right, is no, is that um, Chanel is the first person to really be outed and gets the bulk of, like, the hatred. Um, and then when the other people get outed um, and are rolling around the floor making out, like, it seems like not that big of a deal. In comparison. So I kind of feel bad for but her. that moment did lead to a beautiful oh, piece of music. Gorgeous. Um, that she sings in the kitchen window. Yeah. About how people just find people to love so that they don't spend their life alone. And I thought that that sentiment was very touching and poignant. Um, and it was one of my more favorite parts of the movie i think yeah i i was a big fan of that song i wish it had started trope for like you know lesbians figure out the murder i think that'd be a fun trope to use in movies you know 
where no one can figure it out except well, for the Well, I mean, you could start you could start with Velma from Scooby Doo, isn't she the one that's always piecing things together? Yeah, but she's not she's not made out to be lesbian. She's the brains for, of like, that James outfit. Gunn, and I think one of the Scooby Doo series. Wasn't she retconned into a lesbian just recently? Um uh, so in one of the animated series that was coming out in about 2005-2006, uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. Incorporated, she seems to have a relationship with a girl nicknamed Hot Dog Water. What an attractive name. Beautiful. Right. James Beautiful. Gunn also meant for her to be a lesbian in the Scooby-Doo movies, but that got scrapped when they uh, decided to make it more less of a Josie and the Pussycat situation. It felt realistic for 1950s because, you know, she is, Chanel gets rejected for it. And, you know, it, it, it's not a very happy moment when she comes out. But then towards the end, you know, the person who was being the harshest on her, of course, has the makeout session with Pilate, which does seem to be saying like, Oh, you know, anybody who's a homophobe, homophobe secretly has those urges, which we know isn't problematic all on its own. Exactly, that's got its own problems. So that I feel could have been done better. And I'm also going to say there were some moments that I was confused about because I knew going in there was going to be some lesbian stuff because. This movie had been selected for the gay podcast that I'm sometimes on. <laughs> I was waiting for Suze- I was waiting for Suzanne and the maid to make out, and I yeah. Oh yeah. My shallowness oh, yeah. also was oh, very yeah. disappointed when they did not. That, I was very there disappointed. Was, by there that was too. chemistry there, and you cannot tell me otherwise. Okay, I wasn't the only one who saw it. I'm glad. Yeah, no, literally, actually, in my notes, I have. <clears throat> um, let's see. Right as I was wondering where the gay shit was, Louise shows up and there's sexual tension. Like <laughs> she's got the whole like you know. Right. She she really likes when uh, Gabby is really domineering and like assertive with her. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this this movie in terms of gay and lesbian content almost falls into a lot of different tropes that seem overplayed without actually falling into them. Yeah. Like, um, when a shot rings out and, like, the like the end of the second third of the movie and Madame Chanel collapses to the floor. Um, seems kind of like, why must the gays die young? But almost... But it, it isn't quite, because she wasn't shot she just fainted and then she comes back to reveal everything in the end but i feel like that is a that is a trope that is used a lot in movies with gay characters um when you don't want to have to spend the time to explain to everybody that you have a gay character in your movie so you just murder kill them off they they die before the end of the movie they don't have to live happily ever after it is a thing. <laughs> Why did they have to thing. die of the AIDS gunshots? Um, <laughs> the gun AIDS. Gades. Uh, ah, that mysterious disease, gun AIDS. Pronounced Gades. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh, wait. Beep, beep. Phone text message. Oh no, I just got sad news, which is French for news, in this a text message that just came through. All of you have been found guilty! 
But due to new regulations, one of the accused may have a full pardon from the governor, but to do it, they'll have to make a convincing enough argument in gay set match. Two categories, three rounds, the odd one out picks the winner. Everybody ready? Hold on, hold on. Let me... We. <laughs> I'm assuming the lack of answers means that everybody's ready. Ha 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 ha. Category one. So, out of the eight <laughs> women, who did you really want to be the murderer? It's as simple as that. First round is Amelia versus Roe. Amelia goes first. Amelia, who did you want to be the murderer? Um, I wanted it to be Susan and Louise, and I wanted them to run away together with Susan's inheritance. I mean, that's how you do it, right? Ooh. We've talked about this, and be, but I'm a cheerleader. Anyway, Mel, what's your choice? I wanted it to be Mammy, just because the inherent humor of the grandma having been faking the uh, leg trauma the whole time, where she was like, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. And, you know, then after she <laughs> killed the husband, it'd be like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a New Year's miracle. He's dead. Well, those are some really good choices. All right, Ro, it's up to you. Is it from lesbian to riches or an old murder? I think there's a very uh, compelling argument that could be made for Suzanne and Louise um, committing a crime of passion and splitting the inheritance and running away to uh, the other Riviera. (laughs) All right. And the point goes to Amelia. Yay! All right, round two is Mel versus Roe. Mel, do you want to keep the old murderer? Would you... I'm going to keep my murderer. All right, Roe, it's up to you. Who do you want to be the murderer? I'm going to have to go, um, I think, with Catherine Deneuve's character, Gabby. Um, I think that there's an argument to be made that her husband's many infidelities and um, dwindling fortunes could provide enough of a motive for a woman to commit murder. Um, all right. Amelia, your choices are from Mel, an old murder, or from Roe, I'm leaving you to die. I think I'm going to have to go with the grandmother. All right. Mel gets the point. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with, with Mammy. Roe. Amelia, would either of you like to change your option before Mel chooses between yours? No. No, I'm good. All right, Mel. Your choices are from lesbian to riches or I'm leaving you to die. <laughs> lesbian to riches. I'm sorry. They just had really good chemistry. and yeah, They did have really good chemistry. And, and she had that moment where she was all like, love is love, basically. Why why are you hating on Chanel for being a lesbian? And with that... When her mom was, like, going And off. the point goes to so. Amelia, who is in the lead in, round, in category one. Now we're on to category two. All the women were exposed for their true nature and sins. But which one really got the worst end of the deal? We're going to go in reverse order. Roe goes first against Amelia. I'm going to go, I believe, with our lovely um, our lovely sister. All she ever wanted to do was be beautiful and make men lust after her. And I feel like she got a lot of hate from the cast because of it. Um, she did a wonderful n- number. Um... Her, she has probably the best costume in the entire show, aside from Isabelle Huppert when she comes down the stairs in that fur. And, I mean, I feel like 
she should have been she should have been accepted more for who she was instead of looked down upon because she's a floozy or a whore or whatever. You know? <laughs> Alright. And Amelia, what is your choice? Uh I'm actually gonna go with the other sister, Catherine. Uh the one that was helping the father, you know, kind of pull one over on them. Because she only just, you know, making people think he was dead aside, like, loved her father or whatever, and then she got to see him kill himself right in front of her, so I feel like she really got the shit end on the stick of, in that one. Um, mm. Oh boy. That is Oh true. boy, I get to do a reference in this one. Alright, Mel, it's up to you. Do you want to choose Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful or Daddy's Girl? Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go... You gotta stop with that Daddy's Girl thing. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, I say that, and then yet I'm about to go, I will go with Daddy's Girl, because, yeah, that ending, oof. Uh, and the point goes to Amelia. All right, next round is Mel versus Roe. Uh, Mel, what is your choice? Um, I'm going to go with Susan, because at one point they mentioned that the patriarch is the father of her unborn child and they never talk about that again and there are some really gross implications with that and oh my gosh that poor child I can't make a joke about this uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for those can, of you, you for those bastard. of you who are absolutely flabbergasted listening to this right now shortly before it is revealed that Marcel is not Suzong's biological father so they're not technically related so it's not technically incest although he did raise her so the implications are still horrific i just want that context all right amelia it's up to you are you ready for this you have to i mean you get to choose from don't hate me because i'm beautiful or daddy's girl too I mean, I'm going to have to go with Daddy's Girl, too. <laughs> this movie's so funny, but then it has such dark, like, stuff going on, too, at the same time. All right. And the point goes to Mel. All right. And in our final round is Amelia versus Mel. So do either of you want to change your answer? Nope, I'm keeping I'm keeping Daddy's girl. <laughs> I will keep Daddy's girl too. So it's All right, Ro. It's a face off of the Daddy's girl. All right, Ro. It's up to you. Which is better, the original or the sequel? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is. It's like choosing which layer of hell you would rather inhabit okay okay to remind you to remind you uh the the question is which character had it worse so is it the person who was knocked up by their adoptive father or is it the girl who was just trying to help her okay i'm gonna preface this answer by saying that um you should never feel the need to compare your trauma with somebody else's because all trauma is valid and all experiences of trauma are valid. But in this case, I'm going to have to go with Daddy's Girl 1 because, oof, watching your dad kill himself right in front of you after having witnessed him 
be dead earlier in the day. Mm, I'm gonna say that's gonna leave some trauma. Yeah, that's... Definite scars there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got some good news. Sorry, one second. Uh, Ring, ring, uh, ring, ring. Oh, hi. Hi there. Oh, the the gov's on the phone, and the full pardon goes to Amelia. Uh... The rest oh. of you are sentenced to appear in this podcast again against your will. Um, <laughs> so tell me, Amelia, now that you're, I'll bring the now ring. that you're free, uh, would you recommend this film? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I thought it was great. You know, it was a fun time. I think you know there are definitely some aspects when it comes to the uh, to the the gay themes that are kind of questionable, but overall, you know, it's, it's a fun little murder mystery movie. All right. And Mel, you came in second. Uh, would you recommend this film? I think I would. I will have to warn you. Some of the songs are total earworms and they will not leave your head, which is very annoying because some of the songs are not that great, to be honest with you. But it's it's still a fun movie. It it is kind of like Clue. If they paused every few minutes, every probably like ten to fifteen minutes to turn a jukebox on and have someone sing, and then got back to the plot without paying any attention to that. Ro, you made out of one, but you've won our hearts. Would you recommend this film? No, this is, might be the easiest recommendation I've ever made on this podcast. Uh, this movie is wonderful. If you're into the aesthetics, this movie will do it for you. If you're into cinema, cinema, cin- if you're into cinematography, this movie's got plenty of that. If you're into organic musical numbers, maybe not. <laughs> But, you know, I'd still recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear what your thoughts and your experience are with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayEcapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for suggestions. We can't wait to experience more movies with you. You know, no film is perfect except for Dorian Blues. So let's find out how tonight's accused would remake this film. Let's start out with Amelia. Um, well, I would actually make it into a campy film noir. Ooh. So remove the musical numbers. Kind of mute the colors up even more. You know, have a detective involved. Hopefully played by a young Tim Curry, ideally. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And Ro, what would you do? I actually like this movie so much. I think the only way to honor it would be a shot-for-shot remake with new upcoming French film stars. Keep the music, keep the costumes, keep everything. It's great the way it is. And last but certainly not least, my friend and yours, Mel. So we're going to do a shot-for-shot remake in English, and the only thing we're going to change is we're going to gut the current songs, and we're going to replace them, where each character now only sings boy band songs. And we'll make it some really lame message about how we're overtaking the patriarchy by reclaiming them. At the end, they all join together to sing I Want (laughs) Also... That scene where the maid takes her hair down and, like, looks out from underneath it. I want that scene, but, like, twice as long. 
Well, I'm Nato Kitch, and it, is that a baguette in your pants, or are you just happy no, to say no, 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 stop right there. <laughs> we'll see you next time later. Oh, that so was great. Sorry. This one was really fun. After, yeah. This is for you. Repeat after me. Mm-hmm. Je. Je. Oui. Oui. Sweet, there's an S. Je suis. Je suis. Désolé. Désolé. Say it all together. Je suis désolé. Je suis désolé. There you go. Now you've said. Now you've told the French people that you're sorry. No. <laughs> How dare you trick me? I feel so dirty. <laughs>